church? All right, thank you. And yes, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, as I've been thinking about the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, I tell you, it's, it's one of my favorite. I'll have to admit, not just because of the football. I didn't even see football this season. I know it, I know it. I wasn't even around a TV. Look at that. <laughs> and not just because of the overeating, um, although I did a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm really thankful because it causes me to stop. It causes me to pause and to reflect on the grace of Jesus. You know, when you think about the biblical meaning of thanksgiving, the New Testament word is actually, it's very closely related to calling out grace. Like when you see grace, that's, you call it out. That's grace, that's undeserved, and you say, thank you, Jesus, right? It's a gift, it's a gift from God. Now, the Hebrew term for thanks, it's actually related to the hand. It's the extending of the hand. In other words, when you see a hand that's given to you, you extend the hand back, say thanks, you know? It's like when you let that driver in front of you, kindly in front of you, right? And you expect to see that hand and say, thank you, you know? Uh, it, it's that kind of thing. When you recognize, hey, I just did something for you that you didn't even deserve. And so when we give thanks, we're saying, God, you've given us so much that we do not deserve. Do you realize today that we are recipients of unending grace? And whether you know it or not, there's always always something to be thankful for. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just have a short study today, but what I'd like to do is just take a couple minutes, take a couple minutes and think upon, reflect upon a way in which you have received grace, something undeserved, whether it's little, whether it's big. Think upon that for about 15 seconds, then tap the person to your right or to your left and say, hey, look, this is the grace that has been poured out in my life. Can we do that? Just take a couple minutes and share thanks with one another. Maybe you're not sitting next to somebody, so you need to shimmy on over. Okay. And um, let's take a couple minutes and give God thanks by sharing it with one another. Ready, set, go. Okay, make sure everybody has a chance to share. So if you haven't switched, go ahead and switch. End your story quick and let someone else share. All right. Sing this chorus with me if you know it. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Father in heaven, it's true, you are so good. Sometimes we recognize that right off. 
Other times we are like ungrateful kids who just kind of feel entitled to blessing after blessing. And when it's not there, we wonder what's going on. But Lord, we know that you are still good in those times too. And Father, today we're asking that you would do what you have done in the past, that you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. We want to hear from you. We, we, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect upon what you have done. But Lord, we, we pray now that you would instruct us, that you would counsel us, that you would challenge us through your word. And Lord, you know the weakness of our own hearts, and so please do something in our hearts and minds to cause us to hear a heavenly message. Lord, do something through this, uh, just ink on paper. Lord, cause this word to come to life today. We're praying that you would guide us. We're praying that you would instruct us, that you would inspire us, because we pray in Jesus' name. Let the family say, Amen. 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 All right. Take your Bible with me and go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are continuing our sermon series we started at the beginning of the month called Contagious Christianity. This is part four, Contagious Christianity. Go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 5. This is kind of, it's been setting the framework for our study over the last few weeks. And when we're talking about contagious Christianity, we recognize that when God calls us to follow him, he calls us to follow him in such a way that it would actually impact the experience of other people around him. It would actually impact the experience of other people around us in our world, in our spheres, our influence would actually spread. Not something that causes people to run, not something that causes people to take cover, but contagious in such a way that my love for Jesus creates a love for Jesus in someone else. That's powerful. That's powerful. And so here in Matthew chapter 5, he gives us these metaphors, verses 13 through 16, and we're actually going to zero in on verse 13 today. But let's read the whole passage here. Matthew chapter 5. When you're there, say amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New King James. The Bible says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the what? The light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Here's the deal. Jesus says, look, this is who you are. This is your identity. You may feel weak. You may feel small. You may feel insignificant. But to the earth that is dying, you are its salt. To the world that is in darkness, you are its light. So don't hide. Don't hide. And so we've talked about it. Okay, okay, so how do we become contagious? Well, it's not so much that we've focused on contagious practices. We've focused on becoming contagious people, right? Because when you're contagious, you're contagious. You just can't contain that, right? And so when you're contagious, what have we talked about? If you want to be contagious, three weeks ago we said, if you want to be contagious, be thoroughly converted. Be thoroughly converted. Be motivated by those things that motivate the heart of God. Because when we're, when we're wanting to be contagious, it's not so much that we can have influence and we have this charm to, to impact other people. No, 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 no. It's about the love of Jesus for humanity. And that's only something that comes from, not the natural heart, but from the supernatural heart, the heart of love for people. So be thoroughly converted. How do, if you want to be contagious, what else do we talk about? Be totally committed. 
Because when you live half for the world and half for Jesus, look, that witness doesn't say much to the world. Everybody can do that. But when you're totally committed, when your life matches the message, when you practice what you preach, that salt has punch and power. All right, so if you want to be contagious, be thoroughly converted. If you want to be contagious, be totally committed. Last week, if you want to be contagious, be in communion with Jesus. Now I'm looking around. For those who were here last week, I'm looking for shining faces. Did anybody get to spend face time with Jesus? Amen. (laughs) I tell you, we were talking about the fact that, hey, when Moses went in to see the glory of God, and he came down from the mountain... From that FaceTime with God, he was able to reflect the light to other people. And it's only, only as we spend time with Jesus that we can actually know his character and begin to reflect his character. Now, when you're contagious because you're converted, committed, and in communion with Jesus, you are going to spread your infection. (laughs) You are going to, that stuff cannot be quarantined. And if it is, then you begin to lose your salt. You begin to lose your light. Today, what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, I want us just to kind of notice some implication here through Jesus' instruction. Verse 13, the Bible says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, what is the question Jesus asks? How shall it be seasoned, right? How can it be flavored? So I want you to notice just the implication of what Jesus understands about salt. The direction of its functionality. The direction of salt's functionality is outward. Do you notice that? Follow with me really quickly. Jesus is essentially saying, look, salt doesn't receive flavor. It gives flavor. In other words, when he's calling you and I salt, he's calling us givers, not takers. He's calling us producers and not consumers. Do you you catch that today? Yes or no? Now, truth is, we cannot give what we haven't first received, right? And, And so, when we receive the love of Jesus, when we receive a knowledge of Jesus, that is something you and I can give. And when Jesus says, hey, when you are converted, when you are committed, when you are in communion with me, oh, your potential for impact is amazing. It actually halts the putrefaction process of this world. The moral decay and social deterioration. When you are converted, committed, and in communion with me, you are the salt of the earth. Now, here's the the kicker. Is when, when we are converted, committed, and in communion. But if we are not in contact, If we are not in contact, then all that impact is just kept in the salt shaker. So here's the critical step. Now we're we're turning the ship. We're, We're not just talking about being contagious persons. Now we're talking about the practice of contagious people. What do we do now? Key number one, very simple message today, is that if you want to be contagious, be in proximity, be in contact with the world around you. You know, we've talked a little bit about having an impact list. One, two, three are people that we've been praying for over the last few months, or last few weeks, I should say. 
And when it comes to being, uh, you know, we can focus on our walk with Jesus, we can focus on being converted and committed, but if we are not even in contact with somebody, we have no ability to influence them. That's why, you know, when you're sick, okay, bringing it back to the, the biological realm, when you're sick and you don't want to spread your contagion, what do you do? You stay home, right? Don't invite anybody over. You quarantine yourself, right? Why? Because being in contact naturally causes that to spread. So if you're wanting something to spread, guess what? Don't stay home. <laughs> Don't quarantine yourself. In other words, be in proximity. Salt, think about it. When you, when you bust that stuff out, it melts, it, it molds, it intermingles with that food that you are just dying to eat. There, I'll have to confess, there was something on the dinner table in Thanksgiving that needed some salt. <laughs> and I asked for the salt shaker. It would have done no good had I not put it in contact with the substance that needed it. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to be converted. I want you to be committed. I want you to be con uh, in communion with me, but also be in contact with the people that need you. Being in proximity. Now I'll tell you what, I'll be the first to admit, coming close to people, and um, you know, especially when I'm thinking of the people that are on my impact list, people that I've been praying for, you know, that, I, I, I feel much more comfortable praying for them than coming close to them and actually getting into their lives. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. Maybe two or three others. Good. Right. I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest. Just, just because I'm paid... <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that it comes naturally to me. No, no, no. I, I, coming close to people, it, the first thing, my insecurities just pop up right away. And the insecurities go like this. Uh, I, I don't have much to say. <laughs> or I, I don't have much to offer. Or what if they think I'm weird? <laughs> or, you know? Or, do, do you see the train of those thoughts? The train of those thoughts are all about me. Did you notice that? But if we are givers and not takers, then my coming close to people is not about me being reputable in their hearts and minds. My coming close to people is so that they can be blessed. So when we are coming close to people, as we talk about being in proximity, we're talking about bringing life to people. In fact, you know, we're talking about it now, right now. When, when salt comes into contact, it kind of brings out, not just saltiness, it, it brings out the flavor that was meant to come out. That's what salt does. You know, I, I grew up in a family. I don't know if, you're, if you do this, but uh, I didn't. <laughs> but my family, they, whenever they busted out watermelon during the summer, they would put salt on it. Anybody? Any, oh, wow, really? Okay, okay. So it's not just a Filipino thing. <laughs> All right. So somehow that kind of brings out the, the sweetness of the watermelon that wasn't there before. And here's what salt does. When you come close to somebody, aim not to make yourself all, all great and reputable. No, no. Aim to bring out the flavor in their life. So approach that interaction. Approach that interaction with a desire to bring out their strength. Not just hoot and holler about your own. Approach that interaction with the desire to bring out their potential. You know, and, and let's be honest, there are times when we, we want to come close to people, but there are certain things that are like, oh man, that, that you not, you'd rather not be around. But when you come close to people like salt, or with the mentality of salt, you're actually interacting with them, not based on their past, 
but based on their potential. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. We've been here before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and Paul is giving us just a powerful principle of how to come close to people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. When you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. Now you remember, we've been here before. We've kind of looked at this passage before, especially in terms of motivation, what compels us, right? In verse 14, it says the love of Christ compels us. And so here Paul is talking about his ministry, what it is that gets him out the door, what it is that gives him that kick in the pants. It's, it's the love of Jesus for humanity. Now notice in verse 16, he's now talking about not just motivation, but the principles or the practices that he's putting out. In verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the what? Did you see that? Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Very interesting. What is Paul saying? He's saying that when he goes about to impact people's lives, he's not viewing them according to the flesh. In other words, he's not looking at their natural components. He's not looking at their natural traits. Instead, he is looking at them as they are in Christ. And what are they in Christ? In verse 17, he goes on, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have you heard that verse before? Did you realize that it's in the context of how we interact with people? <laughs> Now, when you interact with people, when you come close to people, you are not coming close to criticize. You are coming close to bring out the best in them. And sometimes that's hard for us to do because when we come close to people that need Jesus, oh, we see the reasons why they need Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what we focus on. We focus on them, not in their past, but them and their potential in Jesus. I heard one old pastor, he said, it's love, it's overlooking love. <laughs> I love it. Overlooking love, being able to see people not for what they currently are, but for what they are in Jesus. And so, when you come close to people, can you see them as they are in Jesus, as a new creation? And if not, go ahead and let that happen. Go ahead and, and allow them to realize that Whoa, 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 there's something more that's possible in me. You know, I, I recently read a story of a man who was flying uh, across the sea, across uh, from, from the U.S. to Japan. And he was flying Jap uh, some Japanese airline because when he was looking through the magazines, he was reading through them just because he had nothing else to do, but he couldn't understand them. They were in, Jap they were in Japanese. And so there was one fellow traveler who looked over and said, do you know what you're reading? <laughs> And, uh, and he happened to open up to this advertisement, a full-page ad. It was just, you know, it was a picture of a butterfly in kind of uh, drab colors, gray colors. And um, the man looked over and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he translated the bottom line and the instructions were to put his hand on the butterfly. And when the man put his hand on the butterfly and took it away, there was something about the ink that was heat sensitive that caused that butterfly to 
flourish into beautiful blues and blacks. It was awesome. All because of a warm touch. Here's the thing. When you and I come close to people, we ought to be able to bring out the best colors in them. We ought to be able to come so close that we can just give a simple touch, a warm touch, to say, look, this may be your life, but it doesn't have to be your life. <laughs> you may feel weak and, and incapable, but you know what? I'm just going to affirm your strengths. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to focus on your weaknesses. I'm just going to bring out the best. And that causes people to feel safe. Did you realize that? That causes people to feel safe. And when people feel safe, they feel like they can trust. And when they can trust, then they become whole. And so, put, just simple warm touch doesn't take much, but a simple warm touch and bring out the best. You know, the other thing that proximity does, doesn't just bring out the flavor in things, but salt particularly, you know, in my two and a half years out in Michigan, I realized that salt had other purposes besides that which we consume. <laughs> you know, they, they don't allow us to, to drive in the snow with, with chains on our tires. Um, what they do with the roads is that they salt the roads. Why? Because somehow, when salt comes into contact with ice, it causes a, a catalytic impact where that ice begins to melt. And so when salt, when you and I, as, as Christ followers, when we come into contact with people, could it be that Jesus wants us to melt people's ice? You know, a lot of times, again, I'll, I'll admit it, when I think about coming close to people, I'll think about the barriers that, that they'll present, the objections, this or that. And a lot of times it'll be along the lines of intellectual barriers or questions that they might have. And that's when I begin to think about, oh, well, what do I say? But you know what? Those barriers are, are typically not just intellectual. A lot of times those, those barriers are emotional in nature. They've come from disappointments or hurts or just uh, various things that... that that no longer jive with their sense of what is right and wrong. And so because of those disappointments and hurts and, and, and past things, they've built up barriers, their hearts have become cold, right? Jesus says the love of many will grow cold. And it's, it's more of an emotional thing, but you know what? When we, as salt of the earth, come close to people, could it be that God wants us to melt people's barriers? And it's not just about what we say or argue down, but it's just about being the loving presence of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes we think to ourselves, hey, I, how do I do that? You know? um, I was just reading a simple story. Someone, uh, actually a church group, a church group organized themselves for one day. They paid a certain gas station to pay down the gas prices, one whole dollar for a whole 24-hour period. Simple measure, and they just did something kind to allow people to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, this church, they just wanted to do something to help. Even if I'd never ended up through their doors, they just wanted to do something to help. When we come close to people, look for ways to help. Find a need that you can meet. Find an itch that you can scratch. <laughs> and what this does is it's a no-strings-attached kind of love. Because what people long for is not like a bait-and-switch what people long for is to know that you just genuinely care. Amen. We've said it before, people will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. Did you hear it? People will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
So here, God calls us to be salt. And he says, hey, bring out the flavor. Bring out, or bring down the barriers, right? Melt the ice. And sometimes I think to myself, I don't have uh, the resources, or I don't have the ability, or I don't have the time. Anybody else feel like that? And something that Jesus uh, brought to me recently, there's this promise. I want you to go there. It's in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34, verse 26. Ezekiel is in the Old Testament. It's, uh, if you're in Isaiah, go to the right. <laughs> Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 26. Because I'll tell you that, that, that being the salt of the earth actually requires an investment of yourself. It requires an investment of time, sometimes resources. And so sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't have very much to give in the first place. But Ezekiel 34 verse 26 shows us that the economics of God actually operate on a very different scale. If you're in Ezekiel 34, say amen. amen. Verse 26. The Bible says, now this is God's promise to his people that are following the true shepherd. And in verse 26 he says, I will make them and the places all around my hill a what? A blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Right? Now, I, I, I've sung that hymn often. I've, I've prayed that last line, Lord, please send showers of blessing. Especially when I've felt dry and empty and feeling like there's nothing to be thankful for in my life. Lord, send me some showers of blessing. But Oftentimes when I say that, I actually neglect the very first part of this verse. You know, we, we focus on that promise, there shall be showers of blessing. But do you realize that there's, a, there's a, a component there that we're missing? The first part, it says, I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. In other words, it's not that the people of God are praying, God, give me blessings. No, no, no. It's as God makes them a blessing that the blessings come. Okay, did, 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 you get that? did you get that? It's as God makes his people a blessing to others that blessings actually come. Okay, we were talking about being givers and not takers. And uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, you know, you can write this down as a cross-reference. Jesus says, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And here's the principle uh, that oftentimes I've thought of that in terms of material resource, financial resource, give and it will come back to you. But no, no, no. What if I lack happiness? If I give happiness to others, will it come back to me? I'm sure it will. As I give blessing to others, the blessing will come back. As I give something to be thankful for, that will come back to me. So here's, here's the principle. If you long to be salt that melts people's barriers, be a blessing. <laughs> Give them something to be thankful for. Here's the Thanksgiving twist. You talk about things that you are thankful for, ways in which God has blessed you. Now, with this impetus of Thanksgiving behind us, now go out and give someone something, excuse me, give someone something to be thankful for. And in this way, melt the ice. And in this way, watch barriers come down. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. You may feel like you don't have anything to give. 
You may feel like you don't have any skill to offer. Yes, you do. God will make you a blessing. And when he does, then there will be showers of blessing. I read a story a while back. It was actually a news article that covered an amazing experience about 17 years ago. You know, stories of babies being born, they're always happy times, miraculous times, but sometimes those stories are difficult. There's a story of a mother who bore twins. And one of the twins, one of the twins had a significant heart uh, condition that was really putting that, that few-day-old baby in some peril. And as those twins were in the, in the ICU, NICU, I should say, um, one nurse kind of got this crazy idea and said, what if I put her twin sister in the same incubator with her? This was against hospital policy, so she had to go through a lot of red tape to, make sure, to, to try this out. Finally got doctor's orders to allow for it. And as baby sister was put next to baby sister, somehow the healthy baby found a way to put her arm around the shoulder of her twin sister. And over a short amount of time, the baby with the heart condition actually began to heal. Temperature began to become normal. Blood pressure leveled out. And for no apparent reason, things became all right. Newspaper got a hold of the story, snapped a picture. Actually, you can Google it. They called it the rescuing hug. The rescuing hug. You'll see pictures. Just a little baby. Arm wrapped around the shoulder. Somehow or another, your contact in mind can actually bring healing, maybe I should say rescuing, to people all around us. This is a really simple message. It doesn't take much. That's why we're calling it small steps, big impact. Small steps, big impact. Sometimes you feel like, ah, there's so much to do. Yes, there is. <laughs> but start small and watch how it has big impact. Jesus let me tell you this story. <laughs> you know the story of a God who saw a world in need. A universe, because of the scheme of the whole great controversy, a universe that was in peril. And so what did God do? He stepped down and he came close. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he put his arm, not just this way, but also this way. <laughs> Suspended between heaven and earth. One arm wrapped around humanity, the other arm around divinity. And Jesus, the Son of God, beat life back into our hearts. He only had 12 men around him. Didn't seem like it was a master plan for changing the world, let alone the universe. <laughs> but those that he came close to ended up coming close to others, and that turned the world around. Friends, God is calling us to continue the legacy. The word who became flesh and dwelt among us, Lord, the Lord is asking that we would come close to people. That we would, as we talked about several weeks ago, several months ago, we talked about getting in the boat, right? This is about coming close, being salt, bringing out the flavor, bringing down the barriers, just by a simple touch. 
So what can you do this week? Think about those people on your impact list, the one, two, three names. You've been praying for them. Continue to pray for them. But now, this week, here's the take-home challenge. This week, look for a practical way to give them something to be thankful for. Does that sound doable? It could be as simple as a wave when they come home from work. <laughs> if it's a neighbor, it could be as something as simple as taking out their trash can along with yours. It, this doesn't take much, but it does take intentionality, and again, proximity. Proximity. So, how many of you, you're thinking about those people on your impact list, how many of you We'll do it. We'll take this challenge and say, yeah, sometime this week, I'm going to give one person on that list something to be thankful for. How many of you are willing to do it? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Watch how the ice melts. Watch how the ice melts. I want to pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, it's humbling to think that you would actually choose to work through humanity. Uh, You've got multitudes of angels who are eager to do your bidding. Probably much more capable, much more influential, and yet there's us. <laughs> sometimes eager, sometimes not, and still you call us to be part of your team. And Lord, could it be that you still want us to be salt of the earth? Lord, you know the weaknesses of our own hearts and of our own flesh, and, and we just... We want to make ourselves available to you. So please, make us a blessing. And we thank you in advance for the ways we'll see showers of blessing as a result. Lord, I pray for the, the hang-ups and hesitancy in our own heart and mind. Would you please, in place of those fears, give us faith. In place of those uh, thoughts about our own inadequacy, Give us trust in your power, in your great power. Lord, we're asking that you would work through us. And especially as holidays come near, uh, when people are actually a little bit more open to spiritual things, especially as we start doing things like spiritual friends training and caroling and, you know, uh, eight weeks to wellness coming up and, and the prophecy seminar. Lord, we, we want to be part of your team. So please use us, God. We thank you so much for the people that you've placed on our hearts, the people on our impact list, and Lord, we lift them up to you right now. Please open up a divine appointment where we can just give a simple touch, a warm hug, a rescuing hug. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, for bridging the gap so that we can be healed. In Jesus' name, let the family say.